This is the Christian Fellowship Guild podcast show. It's the weekend of March 28th and 29th, 2020. The title of our first devotional is Abide in Christ. We're going to be looking at John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. It says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If you've ever been around anyone who is close to death, you know that someone's last words are very important. Jesus knew that his death was imminent, and his time with the disciples was drawing to an end. His words to the disciples during this time are extremely important. These are the teachings he chose to pass along in the last few days of his life. John 15 records the words Jesus spoke to his disciples in the upper room the night before his death. Judas had already revealed himself to be a traitor, and the events of Jesus' arrest had been set in motion. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. The strength and health of the branches are completely dependent upon a vine. Thus, we draw all of our strength from Christ. Further, if a branch doesn't bear fruit, it's not because the vine is bad, it's because the branch is not functioning the way it's designed. If we cut the branch off the vine, the branch will no longer have any strength for producing fruit. Its sources of strength is completely gone. We quote Philippians 4.13 often, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Rarely, however, do we quote John 15.5, Without me you can do nothing. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, thank you for the strength that comes from abiding in you, the one true vine. Teach me to rest daily in your sustenance and support. In Jesus' holy name. Amen. And the couple's devotional is titled, How Did It Happen? I'm going to be looking at a couple different verses. Galatians chapter 5, verse 7 through 10, and verses 13 through 15. With the key verse being verse 7, which says, You were running a good race, who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth. The timer clicked, the TV screen fluttered, and the speaker blared the morning news. Morning already, groaned Larry. He rolled over and squeezed the pillow tightly over his ears, not seriously thinking he could muffle the announcement of another day in the rat race. Then the aroma of coffee from the timer-operated percolator lured him toward the kitchen. Six hours of sleep may not have been the house rule growing up, but success at the end of 20th century demanded a premium from its active participants. A rising star like Larry couldn't squander time sleeping. Curls of steam rose from the bowl of instant oatmeal. The microwave had produced predictably perfect results, in perfect cadence with his 35-minute wake-up schedule. Slouched in his chair, propped against his elbow, Larry noticed the computer screen staring back at him. Last night, he balanced his checkbook after the 11 o'clock news, and weary from the long day, he must have neglected to switch it off. His wife, Carol, had welcomed a day off, so she slept in. Larry went through the rote motions of getting the kids off to school. After the two younger children had been dropped off at daycare, he was alone in the car with Julie. Twenty-year-old Julie seemed troubled lately. Daddy, do you love Mom anymore? she asked. The question came out of the blue to Larry, but Julie had been building the courage to ask it for months. Their family life was changing, and Julie seemed to be the only member of the family diagnosing the changes. Larry reassured her he loved Mom very much. Carol didn't plan to go back to work when she first started on her MBA degree. Bored with her traditional non-working housewife role, she just wanted more personal self-fulfillment. Her magazines conferred no dignity on the role of mother tutor. Although her family satisfied her self-esteem need for many years, 
Other neighborhood women, her same age, seemed to lead glamorous lives in the business world. She couldn't help but question her traditional values. Maybe I'm too old-fashioned, out of step with the times, she thought to herself. So two nights each week for three and a half years, she journeyed off to the local university, a big investment, not to mention the homework. By the time she walked across the stage to receive her diploma, Carol was convinced women had a right to professional fulfillment just as much as men. Larry, a tenacious, carefree sales rep, advanced quickly in his company. Fifteen years of dream chasing rewarded him with a vice president's title. The pay covered the essentials, but they both wanted more of the good life. I've been thinking about going back to work, Carol told him. Larry didn't protest. She had earned extra money as a bank teller at the beginning of their marriage, and the money, money helped furnish their honeymoon apartment. By mutual agreement, Carol stopped working when Julie was born, and ever since then, they had been hard-pressed to make ends meet. Even though his own mother didn't work, Larry knew things were different for women. Still, he had mixed emotions about sending their two small children to a daycare center. But since money was always a problem, he just shrugged and kept silent when Carol announced she had started interviewing for a job. Their neighbors bought a 24-foot cabin cruiser. Larry was surprised to learn they could own one, too, for only $328 a month. By scrimping for five months, they pulled together $1,000, which then, when added to their savings, gave them enough for the $2,500 down payment. Larry loved cars. His gentle dad had always loved cars. If a shiny two-door pulled up to him at traffic light, at a traffic light, Larry's heart always beat faster. He could just picture himself shifting through the gears of a fancy European import. By accident, he discovered that for only $423 per month, he could lease the car of his fantasies, a racy import. Leasing had never occurred to him before. Carol desperately wanted to vacation in Hawaii that year. Her Tuesday tennis partner went last spring, but they couldn't do both. If you go along with me on this one, I'll make it up to you, Carol, I promise, Larry told her, his infectious grin spreading across his face. She reminisced how that impish little boy smile had first attracted her to him. He had been good to her, she thought. Okay, go ahead, Carol told him. His dad had always loved Chevys. Larry's taste had evolved with the times. Carol dreamed of living in a two-story home with a swimming pool, but the car and boat payments, with the car and boat payments so high, it remained a dream for years. Years. Larry shaved 12 and 14-hour, slaved 12 and 14-hour days, always thinking of ways to earn more money for Carol's dream house. When Carol went to work, they added up the numbers and were elated to see they could finally make the move. The strain of keeping their household afloat discouraged them. There were bills to pay, kids to pick up from daycare, deadlines to meet, quotas to beat, but not much time to enjoy the possessions they had accumulated. Words from a Simon and Garfunkel song haunted Larry's thoughts. Like a rat in a maze, the path before me lies. And the pattern never alters until the rat dies. He was trapped. Carol pressured out. She just couldn't take it anymore. She believed Larry had let her down. He was supposed to be strong. He was supposed to know how to keep everything going. But Larry was just as confused about their situation as she was. As the U-Haul van pulled away from the house, Larry couldn't quite believe she was actually doing it. Carol was moving out. She said she just needed some time and space to sort things out, that she was confused. The question Julie had asked a few months earlier burned in his mind. Daddy, do you love Mom anymore? Yes. Yes, he loved her, but it was too late. How did things get so out of hand? I'm sure you know your fair share of Larry's. In fact, Larry may even remind you of yourself. If so, let this be a wake-up call. No one wins the rat race. No one. Are you trying to win the rat race? 
If so, you might consider making some dramatic changes before one of your children asks you, Daddy, do you love Mommy? And you find you're, you can't honestly say yes. Why do we run in a race that has no winners? Let's pray. Father God, we want to run this race called life for you. But it's hard for us to know how to get out of the rat race we feel so caught up in. Give us clarity. Help us to develop proper priorities. Your priorities for our lives and for our family. Help us to be the mate you want us to be. Give us couples who will point out our blind spots when they see them. We need to be accountable to another godly couple. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Some action points. First, where do you see yourself in the story of Larry and Carol? Second, how did you get caught up in the race that doesn't produce winners? Third, what changes are going to start making? Are you going to start making today? And finally, have you ever wondered how did it happen? Some further reading: First Corinthians chapter six, verse twelve; Ecclesiastes verse uh, chapter five, verse ten; Romans chapter twelve, verses one and two; Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen. A poem, or yeah, a poem from Elizabeth Elliot titled "Bear Others' Burdens" says, "Those who bear the cross must also bear others' burdens." This includes the burden of responsibility for sin as well as the sharing of suffering. What room can there possibly be for touchiness or a self-regarding fastidiousness in the true burden bearer? Forgiveness is a clear-eyed and cool-headed acceptance of the burden of responsibility. Again, that's a poem from Elizabeth Elliot called Bear Others' Burdens. So as we progress through the, the coronavirus pandemic, um, I would like to see more of what's starting to happen is, you know, pastors and, and other believers doing uh, some online live streaming videos. I've been doing the podcast now for, this is the eighth week, the end of the eighth week. I'd like to see more output. You know, we, we can't necessarily come together as a group of believers in body, but we can do it in spirit by going online, which is a wonderful tool if used correctly. You know, I've, I've always asked this question of fellow believers or people that have questions about, you know, what does the Bible say about this and what does the Bible say about that is, you know, Anybody can pull up verses and say, well, this is what the Bible says about it, but does it glorify God? That's the final question about anything. Does it glorify God? And that's what I kind of hope that a lot of social media interaction, live streaming, whatever out there is that it'll glorify God and bring others closer to him. Besides that, I hope everybody is enjoying the podcast um, if you'd like to get a hold of me, um, whether it's for a prayer list or a uh, general conversation outside of the podcast, you can send me an email at, it's a uh, Christian fellowship guild at gmail.com. Again, it's Christian fellowship guild at gmail.com. If you go over to the Facebook page, uh, there's a link to the email. Um, you can also contact me over there. Um, besides that, I hope you guys have a blessed weekend and I'll talk to you next week.